0: Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One.
1: Well, we get into a reimagined C2 Corvette. Uh, We get into uh, Kevin Hart's uh, Charger. We give you an update on the BRE 510. We get into some uh, Audi EV talk. But first, Matt's got Dodge. Yeah, you know, Dodge
0: has officially opened the orders for the 2021 Durango SRT Hellcat. It's the most powerful SUV ever. Uh, I uh, asked for one to test drive because I have heard this thing will do 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds for a full-size SUV. It's uh, pretty nuts. But uh, exclusive for 2021, it features a 710-horsepower engine. It's got a new aggressive exterior styling and a new interior with a driver-centric cockpit. All buyers also receive a full day of pro instruction at the Bondurant High Performance Driving School. Deliveries will begin early this year, so uh, get your orders in now. You know, and Dodge was ranked number one for initial quality and best driver appeal for mass market brands by J.D. Power. It's the first U.S. brand ever to be ranked number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. So see your local Dodge dealer or visit Dodge.com today to schedule a test drive.
1: This is Michael Cohen. Joining me next week on Maya Culpa Podcast is the one and only Stormy Daniels. There's so many things that he talked about with me that were so illegal that nobody ever touches upon. That's right, folks. The conversation you've all been waiting for is finally happening. For the first time ever, we sit down to talk about what really happened that night in Donald Trump's hotel room. He had stripped down to his underwear and was perched on the bed doing his best yet horrifyingly disturbing impression of Burt Reynolds. Sex. Politics, money, and crime. This one's got it all. Download the special episode of Mea Culpa beginning Tuesday, February 9th at midnight Eastern for the podcast event of the year. Mea Culpa, nothing but the truth. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. The judge is going mandate you get it on. Welcome to CarCast, I'm Adam That's Matt, the moderator. DeAndrea over there. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Let me, uh, let me just shout out to our friends at Dodge before we kick things off. You know, Dodge is ranked number one for initial quality and best driver appeal for mass market brands by J.D. Power. It's the first U.S. brand ever to be ranked number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. So see your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com to schedule your test drive.
1: All right. So, um, we got lots of car stuff to, uh, get into here today. Um, first, questions about my, uh, Lincoln Aviator. Wait a minute. Am I driving the Aviator? Yes,
0: you're driving the Aviator. That's first question solved.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about the C2 Corvette. Now, um, I haven't figured out the plug in electric part yet. Okay. Um, I don't, I haven't even went and looked at the plug or anything. I don't know if it's even going to work on 110. It may be all just. The first question. What's the range? Like 19 miles or something? Uh, I, th-
0: I think it's a little more on that car, but it could be like 22.
1: Okay. And then the uh, next, the next one is, is can you just plug it into 110 or do you have to, um, you know, get the 220 and the charger and everything.
0: I, I, you should be able to plug it into 110. It's, it's going to be an overnight charge to get a full charge. Right. Uh, but also keep in mind that the 20-mile range is EV only. When it's in hybrid mode, the combined miles per gallon goes up, you know, yeah. it improves significantly.
1: 21. So uh, I should just uh, plug it in. And then the next question is, one we brought up before – We've oftentimes discussed, you know, already running the stuff to the garage for the Tesla charger. And, you know, so you got this pain in the ass, 220, 240, you know, long, big conduit and everything. Mm -hmm. And then you got the Tesla charger. We've always talked about, is there some adapter or how does it work? Or how does it work when you're out in the wild and you want to plug it in at the Santa Monica Promenade? Is there a Tesla plug-in port and then a gm plug-in port like how's that work no
0: because there's a universal port that works on pretty much all of those cars and then there's mm-hmm. like the tesla charger whatever has like an extra prong or or you know like right notch right that that makes it seems just like, like for tesla so
1: seems i don't know if it seems like it but it makes sense that there may be an adapter out there somewhere Possibly. I I haven't looked into it, right? Because I
0: haven't really had the the need for speed. uh, uh, Right, to to look into it. Um, But, you know, I, for example, I test drove this uh, Volvo plug in hybrid the other day. Mm -hmm. And in the back, there was a cable. And at the end of the cable, the last like 18 inches, it, it had a twist off adapter.
1: It uh-huh. and, and had
0: a one ten and the two twenty, or, or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then when I went to my 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 warehouse, I was I have a I have the two twenty plug there, so I just used that and it a, and, a, and it worked. Oh, I right? see. Right, so I don't know what cable is included with the aviator. Mm-hmm. We haven't got a chance to like right. kind of open the back hatch to see what kind of plug is in there. Right, but you might have to. We checked briefly; it was like wrapped in plastic. You didn't even get a chance to open it up yet. That was a week or two ago.
1: All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll investigate and keep you guys uh, posted, as if you cared. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, the yellow paint is going on the BRE um, five ten. Looks good. Sean's been doing yeah. a nice job over there.
0: Yeah, the white came out great, and he's been. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of photos because I was talking to him this morning, and you know he's got a couple photos. And so, what we're going by is the other BRE car, the 85 car. So, to the extent that that car. Number 85. Yeah. Yeah. Is to the extent that those stripes are actually perfect or dead on or, or, you know, whatever they used to make that car, that's what he's using for your car, which is good. I mean, it's good to have that car there.
1: Well, at least most both cars will match, even if they're <laughs> yeah, both wrong. right. At least
0: those are those are, will be the same. Yeah, we got a picture of it. He's doing a lot, you know, just a lot of the fine line tape and yeah, getting the whole thing laid out. And
1: well, I told him, uh, look at the 85 BRE car, but also look at the pictures. So, yeah, you know, make sure. So yeah. we have some old pictures of the car. It's old pictures of the car when the car was kind of beaten on a, a little bit front valance was jacked up you know Mm -hmm. clearly Mm -hmm. you know there is a little all those cars or i shouldn't say all of them but uh, many of those cars you know showed up for delivery in their bre livery or whatever livery they were for delivery in you know 1968 and then they ran them and they ran them for a few years and then they got kind of beat on and then most of the time, half the time, they got sold to some other guy, mm-hmm. and then that guy campaigned it for a while. From you know seventy, 70 well, I'm trying to think what year that B R E car would it would it have been more like seventy, maybe sixty nine or seventy. But either way, so then somebody else runs the car, and they always move to Florida at some point, And <laughs> some point, the car goes to the Dominican Republic for some reason, and. You can always find some old shots of the car running from ten years after it was delivered. You know, so now you see pictures of the car running at Watkins Glen in nineteen seventy-seven, and it has a few new stickers on it Mm -hmm. for some whatever muffler shop is in town, and you know some of the parts like the front valance are gone or whatever it is, but it you can still see the stripes. You can still see how the car was delivered. And then usually at some point, somebody gets hold of it, gives it a full repaint, puts it in blue, puts it in their own livery, and then they go out and run the car for a while. But you will find those old, like it seems like the pictures we have are not from the day it was delivered or the year it ran, but maybe seven, eight years later when you could still see the stripes and the lettering and stuff. And, you know, it's every bit is good because it's original, it's accurate, It just the car looks a little, little faded, you know? Right, yeah. And I don't actually, as I think about that car, I don't even think that car ever got like a repaint or anything like that.
0: I don't know, but they do get kind of banged up over the years, especially just from moving them around, not even just from racing, of course, from racing as well. But, you know, I was talking to Sean about it. I was like, yeah, it looks pretty straight. He's like... It wasn't when we got it. He's like, you try to put the the fender flare on there; it's just a wavy, bumpy. It's like it's never gonna. It just it takes some work. Well, you know, if you
1: if you think about the culture and the history of of race cars, they beat up on Ferraris and Lamborghinis and whatever. You know, um, Mm -hmm. Daytona uh, Cobra, Daytona's, and all that after their usefulness after their their sort of prime or their heyday now we're talking about a Datsun 510 yeah so a Datsun 510 is a shitbox and if there's any reverence at all for the old Porsche or the old Ferrari it's completely out the window when it comes to the old Datsun so in the in the middle years when those things got raced and nobody seemed to give a shit and uh, they got they definitely Took the brunt of a lot yeah. of a lot of tough racing and and beating and nobody again nobody was really interested in him now of course there's reverence for these old Datsuns and there were something and so now it's a different different story
0: yeah well cars looking good and uh, he got some of the yellow down as as you mentioned like
1: one of the stripes and then he's
0: working on the next yeah it
1: kind of um, step of. You can kind of start to see how the yellow and white look actually pretty good together. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not the kind of thing that, uh, you would necessarily pick out if you were just getting a fresh sheet of paper and saying, you know, I want to lay out a color scheme for my car. But the yellow and white works kind of nicely when you see the yellow on the car. It's a nice hue of yellow. Yeah. And, uh, again, once they start riding in the black dots and in the red BRE or, was it the red dots and the black BRE, Whatever. When they start mixing <laughs> yeah. in some other colors and things like that, it's going to end up being a really good-looking car, like on its on its own. Not just oh, I know the history of this car; it's cool to me. But i I think when when the dust is settled, when the hand painting comes in, when uh, the stickers go on, yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I think it's going to be. I'm looking at the fender right now. It's like it's a good looking yellow. It seems like it's got some orange in it. And, uh, yeah. And, I think-
0: and once it's done with the clear coat and polished up and stuff, because that's just, that's just the raw paint. Because in that, you know, we're looking at this little video I posted up on Instagram. You know, the white looks flat right now because it was just shot. There's no clear or anything on it. It hasn't been sanded or. Mm-hmm. But also, it'll be such an identifying car right it's i mean the red white and blue cars look cool but there's a handful of red white and blue cars out there and you, and you'll see this one go oh which you know you're running the yellow one you're running the <laughs> the yellow 510 right you know although we say yellow but because that's the, the one that'll catch your eye but you're right it's more white than anything else and and some black but
1: um yeah so now Sean is working on that uh, one of my favorite parts of the bre cars is the two-tone roof Mm -hmm. you just never you see stripes going across the roof sometimes but you don't see the roof
0: cut in half like a receding hairline
1: yeah well not (laughs) not uh yeah i think uh jeremy piven 1993 um it's funny i said to sean when he was taping it off yesterday afternoon he was working on the roof and uh i said uh what is the, what's the roof? Is it 50-50? Like, what's the percentage with yeah. the yellow versus white? And he said, 45-55. So for some reason, in, okay. you know, Brock's infinite design wisdom, yeah. he thought it'd look a little bit better to have a little less yellow on there. Yeah. I think it's 45-55-45 yellow, but, uh, yeah. don't hold me to it.
0: Now, I, I, picturing it, the front half is white and the back half is the yellow. Yeah, yeah,
1: they usually do that. And then I said, is the number on the roof? And he said, uh, I think so. But then I couldn't remember that one either.
0: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember. I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs>
1: either. I'm going to say no. Yeah,
0: I don't know. It'll be, we could talk to Brock at some point again. And I'm sure Brock will tell you something like, oh, no. also, I I did 55 in the white in the front because... It covers the driver, and it's cooler because it's the white. then if you ran, you know, like black or dark blue, it'd be hotter or...
1: (laughs) Yeah, see if you can find a picture of uh, not my BRE car, but just a BRE car, Morton's 46 car. I don't think the roof has a number on it. But anyway, uh, Brock, I think, told us... That he did the roof 2 tones, so he could kind of go up in the bleachers as a spot or whatever and see the car yeah, better. Yeah, I
0: don't recall the number being on there.
1: No, but, it oh, it is. is uh, wait a wait, minute. Wait,
0: that's red and the white.
1: Now we're trying to find a picture of uh, the most famous one and the, the color's in the front and the white's in the back yeah. and the number is on it. So, look, we don't know anything, evidently. Maybe
0: the, maybe the color is in the
1: front. Because it, it, it of the a pillars, it is. Color. It is according to uh, the pictures we've just seen.
0: Somebody better shall tell Sean. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, all right. Now, also <laughs> see here that the Speedcores released their uh, new build 1970 Charger for Kevin Hart.
0: Yeah. So they've been. Uh, we talked to the Speedcore guys a few times. Goldberg's got a bunch of projects with those guys, but again this is more the kevin hart story than it is just the speed car story the speed car story but i don't know why still the articles are going oh kevin hart wrecked his first one you know he i was like he he wasn't driving it wasn't him and it's not necessarily def- fair to throw the guy under the bus and go yeah yeah you destroyed your first car he let somebody drive it and right and uh but that was a Speedcore car as well, which I think right. he had purchased, and then they modified a little bit. But they built originally. But this new Speedcore car is a 1970 Dodge Charger. It is kind of badass. So what they did is, is they used a five-axis machine to make molds of the body, and then they recreated the body entirely in carbon fiber, and then it sits on a full-frame chassis now.
1: The the. Dodge Charger's a giant car. It's a
0: big car. But actually, if you think about this, what better car to switch to a carbon fiber body? Cause you probably cut 750 pounds off of it.
1: Really? That much?
0: Yes. Cause they did, Speedcore did an all carbon fiber body. Uh, 67 68 Shelby Mustang, and they said it came in 600 pounds
1: less. 67 68 Shelby Mustang, which yeah, is yeah, a decent sized car, but yeah. not as big as the and charger,
0: not as big as that charger. And, and it just took the doors that and the much hood.
1: weight off, yeah,
0: wow. And they're saying this the power to weight ratio now is supercar territory. Now, keep in mind, they put in Mopar's elephant crate engines a thousand horsepower, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, Could you imagine, like it's full frame chassis, it's got a full cage, 14-point cage, but the body alone has got to be 700 pounds less.
1: Uh,
0: And just the modern suspension components and even the engine being a big engine is probably lighter.
1: Leave this picture. I don't don't need the marker lights on the side. I don't need the big square parts bin marker lights on the side i i say lose them all together or put some euro looking ones on there
0: you know they have a version of these lights where you know it's like a black plastic and it Kind of blends it because the car is black. I mean mm-hmm. uh, at least Kevin Hart actually saw the car and he said, I don't want to paint it now. Like let's do a raw carbon fiber look. Let's do some trim pieces on it. The supercharger from the engine comes out of the hood and then they dressed it up and smoothed it out and added some carbon and and it looks it looks really good. But I, I think with the right trim and everything, just a good polished, detailed carbon fiber, it's well, good. But you could you're right, you could black out the you, you know, the thing, the, about,
1: the thing about these kinds of cars and, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the craftsmanship and all these kinds of builds. But, you know, there's a kind of inherent thing with these kinds of cars that I never really thought about until now. But they're not cars that you would take to the track and throw around. Right Now, you could, but you're not. That that's not that's not the market for this car. If you want to take something to the track and throw it around, eh, you get a nine fourteen. You put a six cylinder in it. You do a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. and you go take that out to Willow or or whatever. Or maybe maybe get a modern day Dodge Viper, and you breathe on that. And you take it to the track or some Porsche GT three, whatever. It's not a throw it around on the track kind of car. So now you're kind of left with two choices you can either just sort of look at it in your garage or you can take it out on city streets and do these like short bursts you know it's really Mm -hmm. about just putting your kids in the car putting your girlfriend in the car and scaring the shit out of them for a 100 feet (laughs) you just go you just you, you find some straight line On a Sunday in some industrial part of town, there's nobody around. You just punch it for one block. Yeah. And that then gets into the inherent danger part of, like, taking the 1,000 horsepower out and trying to throw it around a little bit. Yeah. But it doesn't really leave you much choice because your your choices are take it to the track. I don't think Kevin Hart's doing that. Stare at it in the garage and never drive it. I think you'd want to drive it. I think he'll drive it. Third choice, drive it, but just obey all the speed limits and be very <laughs> moderate about it. I, it. That's not really on the table.
0: It, it could be interesting to take a car that size because it's been lightened up and do a little canyon carving, go through the Malibu Canyons and see what it does because you don't expect that car to be doing that. Yeah, it, when, it I kind was, of interesting.
1: when I was doing the car show, we went out to Willow and I drove somebody's super breathed on You know, resto, mod, Mm -hmm. whatever. God, I'm trying to think of what it was. But it was some resto, mod. You know, and it was fun to drive on the track. It's just, you just, I I just don't think you're going there, especially when the car's that perfect aesthetically. Especially at a place like Willow where you will get off the track with a ton of horsepower. yeah.
0: It's interesting what you were saying about like markers and stuff. Like Chip Foose is very famously showing a lot of his show cars, no mirrors, no side markers, really kind of cleaned up the lines. But I wonder what Speedcore was thinking here, because of course it's it's a luxury car at this point. Recaro seats, power everything, air conditioning, stereo, like all the modern stuff. I wonder if it if it specifically has side markers and and mirrors because they were delivering it to a client and it needed to be street legal not not bend the rule street legal but like maybe there's some sort of I think I think it's legal. simpler. I
1: I think you get the uh OEM fenders you pull the mold off the fender and there's a hole already there for it. like you you literally yeah. pull a mold off a fender, and the fender came that way.
0: Yeah, which then brings up my, my original thought of they make, you know, you can get a flush mount, basically body-colored, you know, sort of side marker. It has a little bit of a shape to it. It looks like mm-hmm. a little bit of a bump. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, from the photos that were shot 20 feet away, you, you wouldn't really notice it. It would just be, you know, sort of all one color. And then when you hit the light, obviously, it, it blinks from underneath, but...
1: Um uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. So then there's the uh good for Kevin Hart get back on that horse.
0: You know, he he went out um after that accident
1: there was
0: an event that they kind of kept it hush-hush because they shot a bunch of video. But uh it was Kevin Hart and the guys from Speedcore and I think Ralph Gilles from from uh, at Dodge SRT, Goldberg. They all went out and did like a weekend at the Bondurant School and, and brought a bunch of different vehicles, uh, some customer cars and these types of vehicles. You know, they had 4GT, they had a Senna, they had, you know, the the track cars from Bondurant, and they uh, they went out there and just had like a whole weekend of it, and which I, I also appreciate. Like, I appreciate Kevin Hart going, I wasn't driving, but I was in an accident. and But, you know... You kind of don't want to really be the guy that orders up the thousand horsepower car and doesn't at least get a little bit of instruction. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: All right. So he went and did that. Yeah.
0: So he went and did it. And it seemed like he had a great time doing it as well. It's, you know, like, look, you, you, because of your vintage racing, you get to get onto the track a few times a year and, and, compete in a competitive environment but it's still fun like go out to vegas like we did and just hit speed vegas for for a few hours and you know in a car that's not yours and you know and actually if you think about it i don't know how much track time you said from the couple tv shows how much track time do you get in a modern car like gt500 like the shelby or the 488 ferrari and you know even the the vehicles we get here to test the press drives we don't get a lot of track time with those things i mean Spending, spending time on the track with a 488 or a GT3 Porsche is fantastic.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So uh, there's also a C2 Corvette. I guess that's 63 through 67. So, so here's the thing what's reimagined. going
0: on with that is we don't have a lot of information. There was just an announcement done. So uh, uh, Pete Brock, of course, a young Pete Brock, 19-year-old designer at Pete Brock, was working for GM. And his sketch for the C2 Corvette was the one chosen to become the car. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic achievement in a young designer's life, right? We talk about all the things that Pete Brock's done. People seem to kind of forget his life at GM, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the 63 to 67 uh, Corvette. So there's a company in Ireland, uh, Studio AVA. I, I don't know if they call it AVA or what, but Studio AVA is thinking about doing this reimagined 1,200 horsepower EV version this all-electric version of the corvette and they brought in pete brock mm-hmm. and they brought in another friend of ours ian callum who is the the chief of design at jaguar and aston martin he did the db9 the yeah Vanquish. it's
1: the it's the year or not the year but one of the was the 63 the split window year i get uh, that yeah. screwed up but yeah. yeah the split window vet is is one of the best looking american cars that's ever yeah. been produced and
0: that's a that's a Peter Brock design, which I, I think kind of gets lost on people. Yeah. Um, so what they did is they went back to, to Pete. Pete's done this with the Shelby Daytona Coupe. He worked with Superformance when he said, you know, the production car was a little different than what I had in mind for the car. You mm-hmm. know, his Shelby Mustangs, he had thoughts on that. This as well.
1: I, I, he had thoughts on uh, the Cobra Daytona. Yeah. Like when I talked to him. Do do believe I spoke to him at the uh, Italiano Concourse at Pebble Beach 10 years ago, and he was talking about what he did at Superformance, I, I think, with the Daytona yeah. Cobra. And he just said, like, I didn't have time to do some of the stuff I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but now that I have time, here's how I wanted it to go. I think on the – he was telling me on the Daytona that the Daytona sides are very slabby. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at the original Daytona, they just kind of come down, you know, straight down. And if you look at the super Performance ones, they kind of tuck in a little bit. It's got a little more shape yeah. to
0: it. He was telling us – well, we spoke to him a little bit at Goodwood uh, Revival years ago when they had the Daytonas out there, as many of the original ones. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that as they built those, they evolved from one to the next. He goes, Mm -hmm. they look very similar, but he was able to point out little things that they did you know, from chassis one to two to three to whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So they invited uh, uh, Pete Brock to come in and say, well, if we're going to do this car – Um, What were your original thoughts? How would you like to freshen it up? And then, of course, Ian Callum uh, is involved as well. And he left Jaguar uh, a couple of years ago and has his own design studio and has done a few. He's done like a a reimagining of the Vanquish, the most recent Mm -hmm. uh, Vanquish, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's a very expensive kind of coach-built car like Fisker was doing years ago with his Mm -hmm. Fisker coach-built cars. But it has sort of his design touch going, well, here's some of the things I would fix on it. So I like the idea of Ian Callum and and Pete Brock working on this project together. I'm I'm okay with the idea of it being kind of an EV car. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know about this group in Ireland. I don't know much about them, but it should be interesting to see.
1: It, it You know, it's an interesting concept in general uh, as it pertains to creativity. I think there's a there's probably a television comic sort of version or or even non-comic but there's a version of here's what my vision was mm-hmm. you know here's what my vision was if you're Ian or or uh, Pete and then you have to go into this big corporation and kind of of pitch it. And, you know, that's kind of what happens sometimes with comedy. Like you go, here's my idea for a sitcom. (laughs) And then you go into a room with a bunch of fucking suits and it doesn't really come out like you wanted it to come out, you know? And so it's interesting to take these creative visionaries and say, okay, what were you trying to do with this car? And they go, well, here's what I wanted to do. But there's budget, there's time constraints, there's shareholders and shit like that. Yeah. So here's kind of what yeah. we ended up with, which is the shape of what I designed, but we didn't get the knockoffs. We had to use the fake hubcaps with the spinner. Right. In the mirrors it and,
0: got three times as large. The right. bumpers got a little higher.
1: <laughs> yeah. We had to go with the five mile an hour bumper yeah. and, you know, a bunch of shit like that. And there was a g- ground clearance thing and, you know, whatever. And there's a DOT, blah, blah, blah. And, so then, to take that person with the vision and reunite them with the car, and go, well, now you have all the time and all the money, and you can just do it exactly as you wanted to do yeah. it. That's an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, and I think Peter Brock was involved on this, the sort of reimagining of the uh, of the Shelby Mustang, the GT three fifty. The group is OVC, Original Venice Crew, and they got a couple of the the guys back going, yeah. What if we nipped and tucked one of these things? What would it be mm-hmm. you know, based on, on what we really wanted to do from the beginning? Mm-hmm. And uh, that car is available for, for purchase or those versions of the cars.
1: The uh, CSI 73, 74 BMW Batmobile Group 5 car that uh, won Sebring that we were kind of interested in Yeah, that uh, went to the uh, Stratus auction – Uh, it got up to 650k, which is where it ended at the auction a few days back. Um, that's a step toward the light, I think, for that auction company because in the past they were like getting no bids or very low bids or whatever it is. Uh, I don't think 650,000 bucks is enough to get that car. Um, not a lot of comps, very hard to tell. I think maybe one of the first three CSI uh, Batmobile or Group 5 or whatever whatever BMWs, but in, it, it's interesting to see. BMW is interesting because it's not Ferrari. It's not Porsche. And it's not Datsun. You know, it's sort of in between everything, um, you know, straight six. Um, I, I feel like, That car, someone needed to get to a million bucks with that car Mm -hmm. and it didn't get there. But I don't know if it's sold or not. I'm, I, I think Maxipata could probably check. I don't, I do not think that thing's sold. Stratus? Yeah. Yeah,
0: Stratus.auction, I think, is the website. See if it's up there. But yeah, they're starting to, they're starting to.
1: I'm pretty sure none of the ones on the screen are, are all the ones on the screen are unsold, but which one? There's C. The, you said CSI was at this one. Oh, CSL. I meant oh. sorry. Just too many. Yeah. You yeah. you 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 you're on the recreation one, but yeah, unsold. So it got to 650, and it was uh, unsold at 650, yeah. which means I got to feel the over under was a million bucks. That car's yeah. a lot of history. That's an expensive car. Somebody wanted between one two and one four for that car yeah and no you know and you can't say it's not worth it who the hell knows still curious why some people aren't bringing those cars to bring a trailer i i feel like they would get the money at bring a trailer
0: yeah i i don't know what's going on behind the scenes but uh i don't know some people are going hey you know Somebody knows somebody. There's a relationship there, and they're trying to leverage that relationship. I, I guess. I guess that's what's going on. Um, but uh, bring a trailer, continue to move, continue to grow. I don't know if you saw one of their newest announcements, but um, they offer a uh, vehicle shipping feature, basically kind of built in. Like you can, it's 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 on the site now. As you you bid on the car, and I guess you win the car to be like it check the box. Here's the here's the rate it's already figured out. Uh-huh. You want enclosed transport or open transport and one's this rate, one's the other rate and I don't know who they partnered up with it but, you know, it's kind of nice. It makes it kind of easy and simple and books it kind of as quickly as possible. I don't know how, where it goes from there.
1: It's so funny. But that's the next step, right? Delivery? It's so funny <laughs> how far we've we've come with the purchasing of a car because it was always, you got to go out, you got to see the car, yeah. you got to test drive the car. Uh, you know, if you're looking at some old race car on the East Coast, you better buy less a ticket and he's got to fly out there yeah. and he's got to inspect everything. And, you know, I guess- He'll come back with 19 shitty photos. <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess with uh, all all the the digital photos and the 100 digital photos, I I know it's all good. Yeah, I'm. I'm not hearing a lot of buyers remorse. Like I, 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 and look, who knows what if I would, but I'm just saying. Like I don't hear a lot of people going, "Hey, the car was portrayed as this kind of car, and when I got it, it's not that at all." Yeah,
0: and and the price has gone up now. Actually, for for a long time. We would put a lot of faith in the quality of the car at an at an auction. You know, Gooding, we say, hey, this is for sale at Gooding. Then we expect and trust Gooding's representation, uh, representation of the car, RM's, uh, you know, description of the car and say, yeah, this is, you know, they wouldn't take it if it was wrong or broke or junk or whatever. And you're right. The quality of cars that uh, – especially the high dollar cars, I mean – People are going to bring a trailer spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, sight unseen, and now they could just click the ship it now button, basically, and just get their million-dollar car in the mail.
1: (laughs) Um, Also, uh, Audi's doing an EV based on Porsche Taycan.
0: Yeah, so I saw this car at the LA Auto Show, I don't know, like 2018, and it's based on the the Porsche Taycan, but – I don't know, it just kind of delayed for a while and they're basically coming out with two versions of this. They have the Etron GT and the RS Etron GT. And I do like they're having this high performance version. The pricing is about 100,000 to 140,000, 300-mile range. Uh 0 to 60 in the 3s, either either version, 3.9, 3.2, like they're all they're all fast as hell. Mhm. But here's the thing is it's new for Audi. So initial customers can qualify for that $7,500 federal tax uh, incentive. Um, It's a little less expensive than the Porsche Taycan. And uh, people are kind of coming in saying the Porsche Taycan, they don't really like the look as much. Um, For me personally, I think the wheels are terrible. But um, but the Porsche Taycan is kind of missing the mark. And I think the Audi looks pretty good. And the the Audi interior is fantastic. Uh, it's got a big bulging hips to it. I I like Audi's uh, you know, their version of the diamond stitch. You know mm-hmm. this their yeah. their different shape to it. Um, I think the interior looks great. I think the performance is going to be there. It's a low sleek vehicle. The, the rims
1: are as weird as the Taycan. Yeah. Again, Taycan. I just I
0: I don't know why we're doing this. Like. It can be an EV, and it doesn't have to look like it's out of a Tron movie, or yeah, you know. No,
1: that's a it's a it's a good point. Like we don't need the heads up on it's an EV judging by the rims, right? Just make a killer looking GT car, which this is, but then the rims look a little weird, right? Which is equally as weird as the Porsche. Rims. So I've seen quite a few of those on the road, and
0: oh, believe me, Forge Line, HRE, those guys are laughing their ways to the bank because everybody <laughs> must be buying eight thousand dollars sets of rims from these guys. Going, it looks way better. It just looks so much better with a with a good set of rims on it.
1: Well, mm-hmm. also, we're living in an interesting time, which is it used to be that if you were going after some very high-performance driving, you know, high-performance vehicles, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it didn't fit with the electric, you know. So if you drove... So here's a concept. You know, a few years ago, you'd have the Leaf or the Volt or the Bolt or whatever, whatever it was, and then they had kind of the funky rim, and yeah, that yeah. let everyone know... You were a tree hugger and you love the planet and you're driving your plug-in electric, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then they started building electric supercars or flagship cars, yeah, $100,000 yeah. plus, you know, cars. But they're still signaling it's an electric car via the rim. And my thing is, is... um I don't know if I pull up next to you on a, at a stoplight. I'm not sure if I want to know it's electric. I just want to know it's a killer car. I just want to know if the killer. rims
0: look good with the All rest right. of the car. By the way, that Audi, look how sharp those lines are compared to the newest BMWs. Giant, ridiculous grill on the huge BMWs. And this has their, their, their rings just kind of small, kind of tucked in a low profile hood on it. Like it's a cool looking car. That's a good looking car.
1: Yeah, Audi's Audi styling is is killer and their interiors are killer and yeah, I don't know what happened with BMW. They seem to I, I don't get know weird. why they're
0: all in on this giant grill. This I just don't get the Is their huge... grill
1: bigger than a Lexus?
0: Oh my god, look just look at any new BMW, Chris, and look at it not even just the SUVs but the cars. Look at the buck teeth on that thing.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's got a lot of Alfa Romeo.
0: It's just to it. It, it's it's massive and there's all kinds of jokes about it. and I, I just don't Yeah, look at this.
1: Yeah, it looks like uh, Nader from uh, Cars. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah, I don't... uh, Yeah. This is why we were saying, I think, last week when
0: I said, oh, a BMW has an M5 CS, which is this hot 640-something horsepower. That's the one you want because that's the last version you're going to get with the regular-size (laughs) grill. When they do a new version, it's going to have the giant buck teeth on it. All right. I don't know how long that lasts before they go. Uh, Actually, an example before we move on is the Aston Martin Vantage, the newest Vantage, had a big kind of mouth grill on it. Some people Mm -hmm. liked it. Some people didn't. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years, I believe Aston Martin offered an option from the factory. You can get it with more of the subdued different front end. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so you can go, oh, if you want it to look like a classic mm-hmm. car or you want it to look like the kind of the big mouth version, you can you could get either one now. Now of course they'll they'll charge you seven grand for the new bumper, but <laughs> uh but I it looks a lot better with the revised with the revised bumper.
1: Yeah, I don't uh I'm not sure where the big 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 mouth, you know, bass kind of look is coming from for some of these uh, car designers, but uh, I'm with you and Audi. <laughs> All right, uh if you got a car, let me tell you about Geico. If do you have a home? Do you own your home? Do you rent your home? Well, you got to have insurance and uh if you're going to have your car, you got to have your auto insurance. How about you bundle? Geico makes it easy to bundle those policies. And uh, you take your homeowner's and your renter's insurance, you put it together with your automotive policy, and you save a whole bunch. So go to geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save when you get your bundle on at Geico. That is geico.com. All right, Oklahoma City, Brickdown Comedy Club, February 26th, 27th, doing live pod there and doing stand-up as well. And uh, you can go to com. come to Reno, coming to Waukegan, Illinois. Just go to AdamCarolla.com, and then you can also uh, check out all the stand-up for free on our YouTube page, YouTube.com slash AdamCarolla. What do you got, uh, Matt?
0: Uh, Just uh, check out the stuff I'm posting up on the social media, up on uh, Motorator.
1: So, till next time, Adam Carolla for Matt, the Motorator, DeAndrea saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about you bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save. At Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com.